Hey everyone, welcome to the Flexing Physio podcast. This podcast is aimed for physios, whether you are a student or already qualified and working in the big bad world. On this podcast, we will be giving real-world advice about everything physiotherapy. We will be having a bunch of special guests. And most of all, we will be having lots of fun banter. My name is Dan Chang, and I'm a physio working in a private practice here in Tamworth, and I will be your host. Now, let's get into this episode. All right, so welcome to the Flexing Physio podcast, ladies and gentlemen. If this is your first time listening, I'd just like to say a big welcome and thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules to listen to me talk for 15 minutes. <laughs> so we're, we are joined today by a very lovely, special, I've run out of adjectives, um, but lo- really lovely guest. His name's Paul. Thanks for joining us, Paul. That's uh, my pleasure. You could throw a few more adjectives in there. Yeah, or, no problem. I was going, I was going towards um, uh, beautiful, but I was like, no, nah, no, nah, they're just getting weird, <laughs> getting weird too quickly. Let me out of here. Um, so, Paul, you are you work under the same roof as myself. I do. And how long have you been in this clinic for? I've been here probably six years. So I, I uh, hire a room here from. From Warren, yeah. the uh, the head of proactive uh, health, mm-hmm. and I've been doing so for six years. I'm, I'm here for three days a week, and I work two days privately out at, at another fun- another place in, yep. in Kalala, a suburb of Tamworth. Ah, the best suburb in Tamworth. That must be. That's <laughs> where I reside. <laughs> don't come egging my house. <laughs> no, that's very good. And so you work. At, I don't know if you just touched on it, but you work as a clinical psychologist. I do. Lovely. Now. Where did you train? Now, I, I, in former life, I worked as an accountant. I, I left uni, uh, school here in Tamworth, born and bred. I went to study uh, business down at uh, Sydney at the University of New South Wales. But at the age of about 29, 30, the wheels stopped and I just mm. realised I was in the wrong, wrong spot. The, uh, professionally, yeah. I was uh, feeling stuck and I was doing a very slow Bachelor of Arts and I stumbled across Psych 101. Yeah. And from that point, I realized this is it. This is what I want to do. And I never looked back. I completed my master's degree and was working as a mediator while I was studying and, and generally just took off from there. From that perspective, from that point, I went on to work in the health department mm-hmm. and uh, worked in Armidale in the child, youth and family department there mm. at the, the Armidale uh, Hospital mm. and then moved down here to Tamworth. And I, I initially took a role with the Banksia uh, mental health unit mm. and that's working in an inpatient an involuntary inpatient unit where I learn a lot yeah about uh, you know, particular neurological issues and, and, and severe mental health problems yeah and and from there I, I went into a, um, a chronic pain unit here in Tamworth mm. at the hospital uh, where I learned a lot and became very much aware of how how widespread that problem is in our community. Yeah, wow. And, and slowly but surely was going uh, private and then have ended up in the last two years fully private Yeah, and often work with people in a chronic pain situation. Great. Well, I'm glad you touched on chronic pain because I see that every day. Yes, um, and, and I've only been out of uni for three years and I'm still trying to wrap my head around chronic pain. Uh-huh. It, there's so much to it. Um, and I, I, it's fun, interesting you say that you used to be an accountant um, yes. and and now you're doing psychology is such a massive career change. Uh-huh. How good's that? It, absolutely. I went from one area of chronic pain <laughs> to yeah. another. How good. Well, I'll let my wife know because she's an accountant. Oh, right. 
<laughs> I escaped. You have. You've lived to tell the tale. That's Congratulations. Right. <laughs> now, before we get into this podcast, I want to get... Well, first of all, I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk talk with me today. I feel like we see each other through and throughout the week, but I don't uh-huh. never 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 sit down and talk to you. So I'm glad this That's is true. I'm yeah, glad we're doing this, Paul. Just now and again in the staff room, having a coffee yeah. or whatever. <laughs> you stealing the food? Yeah, right. <laughs> Classic. No. Nah. The cakes. Well, yeah, yes. the cakes. It's a we work in a good clinical, lots of good cake. <laughs> um so I'm sure you've got how many kids? I have three kids. Three kids. And how old are they? They are 12, 11 on Saturday and yeah, 9. Wow. Great. Girl, girl, boy, girl. How good. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure there are times in your parenthood days where you just want to rip out your hair and you want to go just go crazy and punch a wall. So on that note, if you could escape to any country for two days, which country would you escape to? I was very lucky in my mid-20s to, to visit Italy. I love Italy. Italy. The food, the uh, dare I say, the women folk there. They're all, <laughs> it was embarrassing. I was with a Dutch girlfriend at that point in time, and we were there in Italy for two weeks. But you'd walk down a, any street in Rome, and you'd be falling in love, left, right, and center. Yeah, they just just bombshells. But it's just the culture. It's beautiful. And yeah. On the front page of the of their newspapers is is soccer, and on the back page is political scandal. They've just got it right. How good is that? Did you um, make good use of all their cultural foods and uh, drinks and all that? Certainly. I, uh, I loved the pizza, the pastas. Yeah. Just, it, it's brilliant. And then my famous, or oh, sorry, my most loved red wine. I, can, I think I can still pronounce it. Brunelli de Montepelciano. How which good. Which is uh, the red wine of uh, a particular region in Italy. I feel, just from talking to you, I feel cultured. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And have you been out well, to the... You won't be after a couple of bottles of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably even more cultured, to be honest. Yeah, right. um, have you been out to the Carmen's Italian... Is it the Italian yeah, restaurant been, here been, in Tamworth? Carmen's is, is very good. Good yeah, food, good, good. good wine. But there's something different about eating Italian food in Italy. Oh, yeah. Right? Just like there's something about eating a stir-fried sweet and sour pork in China. There's just something different That's about the it. More than likely. Yeah. I can't say I've had that, uh, that opportunity. Yeah. Well, you know, never say never, Paul. Well, I'd love to go to China one day. Yeah. yeah. Well, when, when we're allowed to travel, I guess. When COVID is finished. Yeah. When, when it destroys itself <laughs> off the planet yes. of the earth. So why did you become a psychologist, Paul? Well, I, I found that when I was talking to people as an accountant, people mm. wanted to talk about family matters from other issues, the problems which were, you know, on the, on the, you know, on their shoulders and, I think it was a mix of things. So knowing that that was part of you know what people enjoyed doing with mm-hmm. me, I sort of started to marry that a little bit more with you know falling in love with psychology, mm. and it just sort of, they sort of just glued together. And the yeah. more I I practiced, I, I did Lifeline on the phones, mm. and, and I just really enjoyed being with people and trying to help them with problems and solving issues, things like that. And I suppose it was just much more my cup of tea than, than working on figures and, Country and, and numbers and tax returns. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, uh, now that you're doing your own private business, do you do your own numbers and, and banks? Well, to a degree. I've got, I use probably the same health kit d- database that yeah. you guys use maybe. Yeah. And, and it's fairly self-explanatory. I just put in a BAS statement mm. every quarter. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. There's, there's nothing amazingly difficult about it. <laughs> How good. Um, so, 
I'm obviously a physio and we work under the same building. So again, I feel very blessed to have you just three or four doors down. Um, how can how can you see physios and uh, psychologists working together? Well, since I, I worked in the, the chronic pain unit here in Tamworth, mm. it was called TIPS, the Tamworth Integrated Pain Service. Yep. yep. And I really learned a lot about people's experiences when they are subject to, to pain. And, and I just got a, an awareness of just how widespread the issue is, mm. whether it be ankles, knees, mm. hips, shoulders, etc., or uh, something more like fibromyalgia, which mm-hmm. uh, is more of an autoimmune disease. Yeah. But I gathered and I learned quickly that about one in five people in our community is affected by some type of pain experience. Yeah, absolutely. Some far more readily than others, of course. Yeah. And... So physiotherapists are often working in this, this field. And, and in TIPS, I was working with a physiotherapist. I was working uh, closely with a, a social worker. Mm. And the whole range, and that's what is so important in managing mm. chronic pain. It requires a multi, multi-modal approach, so to speak, yeah. including focusing on our thoughts and emotional yeah. experience. Mm. Because one thing I, I quickly realized is that people experience pain quite often oscillate on this continuum Mm. and between hope and despair on some days they're more hopeful and and sometimes their their pain is is less problematic but Mm. then there's other days where it becomes very bleak and that Mm. has a lot to do with people's self-talk and their perceptions or expectations of a fairly dim future yeah and so psychology has quite a significant part to play Obviously, it's not the hands-on stuff mm. for from the physiotherapy or the, the biomedical or the medications they're taking, but it's quite significant nonetheless. Yeah, wow, that's a, that's really insightful what you just said. Because um, oh. at uni, we learned pain or the experience of pain can be influenced by not just structural damage, um, but it can also be influenced by the mental health of someone. So that's why. When someone comes to me and presents into my room and they are showing lots of signs of what we call yellow flags. I'm not sure if you use the same terms, yellow flags. Yeah, roughly. I'm sure Red flags, yellow flags. Yeah, we like to um, split our uh, what we hear to <laughs> flags. I don't know why, why it's like that. But anyway, um, yeah, like we hear people say, talk to, talk to us physios about their financial situation. Uh-huh. Um, and we didn't necessarily ask them, but it was just from them telling us, telling us about their problem. Naturally, they talk about other things that are weighing on them as well. Uh-huh. And it's really difficult for them to just stay on their problem um, what they've come in for so i'm finding it i sometimes find it really difficult to navigate that in a you know half an hour consult where we should be really focusing on their physical so their knee pain that they're having Mm -hmm. Um, so that brings me on to my next question which is as a physio what are some of the uh, cues that i can listen for for me to go i should refer this to a psychologist yeah, great, great question. Top three, magics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I think you're, you're looking out for particular statements, mm. and which, which people make, and around probably three main issues. And firstly, cognitions which people are verbalizing, and cognition is just a fancy term for our thoughts mm. uh, or beliefs and perceptions. Mm. So if somebody starts talking about, I, I was, I've been feeling really really glum lately 
or they're thinking, I, I just feel like I can't move on in life. Yep. They say they're, they're stating that their future is quite bleak yep. or they can't do the same thing. So there's the cognition <laughs> and also behavioural. Mm-hmm. So like I can't do the same things with, with my grandkids or mm-hmm. I'm finding it very difficult to get out of bed and, and get my hips moving in, in, mm-hmm. in the day. So all of these markers mm. point, can point to an emotional issue. That's the third issue. Mm. So if it's quite clear that they're experiencing anxiety or mm-hmm. stress and they're starting to elicit comments mm. which suggest that yeah, things are pretty, pretty difficult, mm. it's then a very worthwhile question to ask, are you talking to somebody mm. about these issues, whether it be a family or friend or actually you're seeking professional help for, mm-hmm. these, for these issues? And probably to throw in, I often find that people really benefit from talking to either a professional or somebody Mm. who knows about these particular issues. Mm. Do you feel sometimes um, patients, they feel more comfortable talking to... Because, for example, someone comes in to see me, they expect uh, maybe some hands-on treatment and maybe some exercises. When people come to see you, they are expecting uh, you to address their mental problems that, that's true is that a fair that, statement that, oh absolutely that's their expectation yeah and when a physiotherapist refers yeah or or that's the general the leading reason why they're they've arrived in in my office yeah then i like to to start with with that issue outlining how closely yeah. our physical well-being is linked to our our mental health oh great and and so often talking if people are in in pain and, and chronic pain i try to, to put across the view that Anything which winds up the nervous system, and we know mm-hmm. this through through literature, mm-hmm. can exacerbate pain. Yeah. So anything which, uh, if you drink too much Coca-Cola or mm. coffee, so caffeine mm. is then, or sugar, then winds up the nervous system, and yeah. that can have a, a, a problematic effect on, on pain levels. Yeah. Similarly, when we have negative self-talk, mm-hmm. are we often having a very dim view of our future or our ability to return to a workplace and mm. so on that can similarly wind up the nervous system mm. so it's all functioning or, or looking at the same particular mechanism yeah and so and that gives them a lot of solace that yeah okay this is a i'm trying to get at this problem from a slightly different angle yeah because people who with chronic pain and thinking well going to the psychologist sometimes feel like they're raising the white flag and then yeah. and then yeah. this is it you know it, it's all over red rover but you try to give them as much comfort as possible yeah that absolutely we're, we're doing this for a particular reason yeah and i think in this day and age especially now it's so much less taboo to just ask someone hey are you doing okay um, you know, as a friend or even as a clinician, um, I've I, I built some rapport with some of my clients and then they've shown me signs, as you, you mentioned before, that they have feel like they've got no hope for the future. And I'm picking up on these cues. I reckon this is my spidey senses tingling. Yeah, right. And then I just ask them straight up. I just go, hey, you, you seem quite sad and depressed. Are you okay? And, uh. you know, I... I'm not sure if that's my place to do that, but then I feel like as a physio, sometimes I just want to strip it down to human helping human. Yeah. And so I sometimes don't think about the, what do you call it, the scope of practice. Maybe I shouldn't have asked that question because it's no, outside of my scope. I think you're well within your rights to ask that question. Okay, cool. Just needed some verification. Sometimes there. people feel so relieved that mm. they've that somebody's noticed. And that's one of the best questions we can put to people. Mm. You know, I've noticed that. Mm. Whether it's, you know, I've noticed that you were talking about 
how difficult it has been for you lately to to uh, get out of bed because you're feeling so low. Yeah. Or, or you know, you've mentioned that there doesn't seem to be much hope. Mm. Is that is that have I noticed that uh, correctly? Yeah. And that allows them that open question allows them to talk a little bit more openly about what's going on for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I reckon, yeah, what you've just said it makes me feel very comforted and it also allows me to feel that um, what I'm doing is right and, and then, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. No, That's good. a very yeah, good point that you're making there. Because it's, it's, it's sort of more uh, holistic. That's right. Approach to health rather than this is just a knee mm. and whatever's going on in the rest of the body in your brain, for God's sake, doesn't yeah. have any impact on it. Yeah. Of course it does. Yeah. Everything is interlinked. Yeah. Well, my um, brother, he works as a, yeah, what does he do? Not a psychologist, a psychiatrist uh-huh. in Christchurch, New Zealand. And we're, one day we were watching a movie. I was really young at the time because he's 12 years older than me. We were watching a movie. Um, can't remember what it's called, but I had a crazy person in it. And then I just made the comment, oh, that guy's crazy. And my brother was like, Dan, you can't say that. Because <laughs> I, I think because um, being working in the psychiatry department, you get a bit... Um, sensitive to that Absolutely, sort of thing yes. so you go dan you can't call him crazy he's uh-huh. actually got clinical bipolar or something like that <laughs> anyway i just thought that just reminded me of, no, of that childhood story uh-huh. wow so i think that was a i think we'll wrap it up there for today um what a cracker episode thank you so much for your time um and if you're listening out there and you've got any questions, please send them in we'd love to answer them one other thing before we we hop off is as a physiotherapist, do you recommend having a psychologist for yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. You, so you're saying as a physiotherapist? As a you physio, recommend- should you see a psychologist? Because a part of our job so much during the day is dealing with people and people are hella complicated. I, I get what you mean. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. If you feel that it, you would benefit more from a coaching perspective to mm. learn more about how the mind works and mm. what makes people tick and how, and the types of questions you can ask, mm. you know, your how and what questions and to help clients elicit mm. what's what they're experiencing, particularly emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so I think it'd be highly a good idea. Yeah. So and, and also if you are feeling stressed, yeah. etc., there's you know psychologists. That's their toolkit. Yeah. Helping people manage stress, anxiety, despondency. It doesn't have to be a clinical level mm. of a mental health problem with with depression or mm. a general anxiety disorder. You know, to to seek out help when you're mm. less where it's you're not you're still functioning quite well yeah. but you know you're just troubled by a few things yeah. is usually a very very helpful thing to do yeah i agree what's despondency oh uh let's just say uh depression's little cousin oh right <laughs> just feeling yep. down about a few things <laughs> i love the way you put things <laughs> well thank you very much again for your time and uh, we will be sure to catch you in the next episode. So thanks again for listening. Go and follow the Flexing Physio on Instagram, and we'll catch you in the next one. See you guys.